We are? Okay, we are holding at the beginning of Melachim Beis, the second book of Melachim. Um, this is really considered the end of the Nevi'im Harishonim. We know the books of Nevi'im. There is, um, altogether, there's 24 books of the written Torah, five books of Moshe, and then there's the 19 between the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim. And the Nevi'im, the prophets themselves, are divided between what's called the Nevi'im Rishonim and the Nevi'im Achreinim, the earlier Nevi'im and the later Nevi'im. And this, um, this Sefer is considered, I believe, the end of the Nevi'im Rishonim, of the first Nevi'im. Um, behind us we have, we, we began with Yeshua, which is the first of the Nevi'im. We learned Yeshua, we learned Shaftim, we learned Shmuel Aleph, we learned Shmuel Beis, then we learned Melachim Aleph, and that brings us now to Melachim Beis. Um, it's a, maybe it's a, it's a big uh, goal, but I'm hoping to finish together Malachim Bays before the summer. We typically break for the summer. So if we can do that, that would be a great accomplishment. We'll see if we get there. Be that as it may, we are holding Malachim Bays, which is really right in the middle of the story of the Malachim, right? Of course, we remember the Jewish people had split up into two kingdoms, two Malchusim, what's called the Malchus um, Bays David um, versus the Malchus Yisrael. David was primarily the two Shvatim of Yehuda and Binyamin, and Yisrael was the other ten tribes, the other ten Shvatim. And they were led by two different lines of kings. Um, just quickly, quickly to recap, of course, when we started with kings, we started with one king. We had Shaul, who was the king of all Jewish people. After Shaul, we had David HaMelech, who was king of all the Jewish people. And finally, we had Shlomo HaMelech, who was the king of all Jewish people. It was only those three in our entire history who reigned over the entire Jewish people. Excuse me. In the time of uh, uh, after Shlomo passes away, um, he is succeeded by his son Rechavam. But very quickly, the ten tribes break off and they appoint the king Yeravam. And it's from that point on. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt. Lakey Silver wants you to let her in. She just called me. Sorry. No, nothing to be sorry about. It's just that I don't see. I don't see any requests for someone to come in. Uh, ask her. Ask her to try to to try again. I, I don't. On my Zoom, it's not coming up as any request. I can't let her in if I don't see a request to let her in. Uh, oh, here we here we have her. Here it is. Okay, done. Um, so as we were saying, as we were saying, we have the um, uh, the the so the by uh, the son of Shlomo. Uh, Rechavam, that's when there's the split of the ten and the two. Rechavam becomes the king of the two and Yeravam the king of the ten. And from that point on, it just keeps on going. The, the two tribes versus the ten tribes, the two lines of kingdoms going on. Um, we also saw that the kings of the ten tribes were primarily idolatrous, were primarily negative, um, some more than others, but uh, the general picture was there's idolatrous, uh, idolatry and negativity. The king of the two tribes sometimes were good, sometimes were bad, more good than bad. Now, we are holding in the story um, after the death of perhaps the worst, or definitely one of the worst of the kings of the ten tribes, and that was Achav. Uh, we had the, the very wicked king Achav with his wife, who was even more wicked than he, and she was Izevel. Um, and Achav and Izevel ruled over the ten tribes. Um, tremendous idolatry, uh, murder, uh, terrible people, Achav and Izevel. 
Um, and they were they were king and queen. When on the other side, in the two tribes, you had a king who was a tzaddik, and he was Yehoshaphat. And Yehoshaphat was a tzaddik, and Achav was a rasha. And we've been we were talking about their stories, but the most important person at this point in the story is Eliyahu Hanavi, because he's at this point the Navi, the Navi Hashem, the uh, prophet of Hashem. Um, I'm saying prophet of Hashem because at that time you had many uh, false prophets or Navi Habal prophets of the Baal who Eliyahu Navi challenged. But so Eliyahu Navi is part of the, is is really the center point of the story. Um, where, where, where we pick up in the beginning of Melachim Beis. Um, we, we already had some of the stories of Eliyahu HaNavi um, with Achav and with Izevel and with the 400 Navi Habal on the Mount Carmel. All of those stories are behind us. And now again, in the end of the previous Sefer, Achav dies. Um, Achav dies and his son, who is his ear, who becomes king afterward is Achaziah. And Ahaziah is the next king of Malchi Yisrael, and he is also a Russia. Not as bad as Achav, but a Russia, idolatrous, and he is the king Ahaziah, and that's where the Navi starts. So it begins, and if you have a Navi open, this great. Malachim Beis, Perik Aleph, Vayifsham Moav, Bi Yisrael, Mois Achav, Moav. Moav was a nation that always is right near the Jewish people, sometimes good terms, sometimes bad terms. After Achav dies, Moab rebels. Uh, until then, under Achav had a tremendous reign on surrounding countries. Achav was a very powerful king. But after he dies, so Moab rebels. Okay, the, the, the Pasuk just tells us that and doesn't continue on with that story. We'll get back to that a little bit later. But it starts with an interesting story. And that is that Achaziah fell. Uh, he had some type of a, um, sounds like some type of a skylight. Um, and he was walking on his roof, and he fell through the skylight, and he hurt himself. And he didn't, he was sick, and he didn't know what the story was. So he sends some messengers, and he says, go, um, go to, a, to a certain idol, a certain Avedizara. Uh, it was called the Baal Zavuv, I believe it was. What does it say here? Um, yeah, Beval Zavuv Elohei Ekron, the god of Ekron. Basically, he sends messengers to go to a house of idolatry to ask of the prophets of that idol of will he live? Will he live from that, from the sickness that he, or the injuries that he sustained through his fall? That's, so Ahaziah sends the messengers. Now, the Pasuk tells us that a Malach of Hashem comes to Eliyahu. He's called Eliyahu HaTishbi. You know, Eliyahu Navi goes by a number of names. One of them is Tishbi. That's one of the places that he comes from. And the Malach says, um, comes to Eliyahu Navi and says, tells him what happens. The king of the Jewish people, the king of the ten tribes is sick. He just sent messengers to, a, um, to an Avedizara, to an idol, to find out if he's going to live. We want you, we want Eliyahu Navi to go meet those messengers on the way and give them a message. And that's what happens. Um, he, Eliyahu Navi goes and he meets the messengers. The messengers are on the way to Avedizara. Eliyahu Navi is an imposing figure. He meets them in the middle of the way. And he says, is there no God amongst the Jewish people that you're going to ask your questions by the idol of Zvuv, the idol of Ekron? And because you did this, because instead of going to Hashem, you went to Avedizara, go back to the one who sent you. Go back to Ahaziah and tell him that on that bed that you are laying in your sickness, that is the bed, you're never going to get off that bed, you're going to die from this sickness. That's what Eliyahu Navi tells the messengers who are, again, they're on the way to Avedizar. 
the messengers were very taken by this. Um, that here, they didn't even know who it was. They didn't know who, he obviously looked like a man of God, but they didn't know who he was. And they come back to Achazia, and they tell him what we saw. They said, you know, a man came towards us, and he said, go back to the king who sent you, and tell him that Hashem said, there's no God amongst the Jewish people, that you're going to have a desire, and therefore on this bed that you're laying, on your sick bed, you'll never descend from that, you're going to die there. So Ahaziah hears this, and he's disturbed, and he says, tell me, describe to me, who was this person? What did he look like? This person who met you in the street. And they started uh, describing, they said he's a man with a lot of hair, he was wearing his, his leather belt, it seems Eliyahu we read about him many times with this azer oir, this leather belt. And Ahaziah, who knows, because Ahaziah is a king, he's the son of king, Ahav, he knows about Eliyahu, he says, okay, this must be Eliyahu Navi." Eliyahu met you, and he's the one who prophesies that I'm going to die. And therefore he says, he takes a, um, one of his uh, captains of his army, and he says, take 50 soldiers, go back to that place where they saw Eliyahu and bring him to me. How dare he speak this way about me, I'm the king. Go bring him to me. And the 50 soldiers go out, and they find Eliyahu, they find him on the top of a mountain. Yeshiv al Shahar. he's sitting on the top of the mountain. And they call out to him, they, they go up the mountain and they call him and they say, man of God, the king said, come down the mountain and come, right? Isha the king, man of God, the king said, come down. Eliyahu returns to them, and they, obviously they speak in this very disrespectful manner, commanding him to come down. Eliyahu says, I don't understand, you called me a man of God, that's how you talk to a man of God. If I'm a man of Hashem, if I'm Isha Lakim, you have to talk with respect. And because you didn't talk to respect, he says, Im oni, If indeed I am a man of God, let a fire come forth from heaven and consume you and all the 50 people, all the 50 soldiers with you. And immediately that's what happens. A fire comes down from heaven and consumes them all. The, the captain of the guard together with the 50 soldiers that had come to capture Leo. No, Ahaziah the king is waiting. The soldiers never come back. So he sends another group, He sent another captain of 50 soldiers with the 50 soldiers. And they come to the mountain and they see that something's wrong. They see there's ashes, they see there's a fire, they recognize something went wrong. But they didn't learn the lesson. And again, this new captain calls out and he says, Isha man of God, the king said, Reda, very immediately come down. And the same thing happens. Vayan Eliyahu Eliyahu answers. And he tells them, he says, Im Ishalakim Oni, if indeed I'm a man of God. Tayred Eishman Ashramayim, let a fire come down from heaven and let it consume you and all your men. And that's exactly what happened. Again, the fire comes down from heaven and consumes this second group of soldiers that have come to capture Eliyahu. Achazia is waiting. They didn't come back. He sends another group of soldiers. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Vayasha Vayishlach Sarchamishim. Shileshim, the Hamishab again, he sends armed soldiers, 50 soldiers together with the captain. And they come, this new captain, but this captain is wiser than the first two, and he recognizes what happened. So he already comes with a whole different demeanor. He comes to the top of the mountain, and he bows to Eliyahu, and he begs of him. He says, man of, of God, let my soul be precious to you, and the soul of these 50 people. Um, he says, I recognize, I understand that the people before did not talk with respect and that they were therefore were killed. But I'm asking, we're very respectful and we're just giving you the message of the king that the king is asking that you come to him. 
So Eliyahu accepts that and he waits for instructions from Hashem and says, a malach comes forth from Hashem. He says, go down, go with them. Go to the king, do not be afraid. You'll say what you have to to the king. And, and that's what happens. Eliyahu comes before the king in Pasuk Tezayin and he gives over to the king the same message that he gave over to the initial messengers. And he says, because when you had a question, instead of sending to the Navi of Hashem to hear what Hashem has to say, but you send to the Balzuv, Elohei Ekron, to the gods of Ekron, and, um, and they're in that way totally showing total disregard for Hashem and his Nevi'im, therefore, on this bed, you are going to die, you will not be healed. And that's what happens. Um, Achazia um, dies there, uh, dies at that point, doesn't have that day, but he dies from that illness. And uh, Yehoram, who I believe is his brother, um, uh, assumes the um, assumes the yeah he's his brother Yehoram is a, is a brother of Achazia also a son of Achav and he assumes the uh, mantle of leadership he becomes the king after the death of Achazia uh, of Achazia and the pasuk finishes as it finishes many times we we recognize this pasuk and the other stories of Achazia and his lifetime and his history is all written on the history of the time and therefore the Nafi does not go into that in detail. That is the open, the first, the first parak. Again, just another story of Eliyahu Navi standing up for the covenant of Hashem, and Eliyahu Navi's mir- uh, miraculous nature. Throughout the throughout the Navi, we've been learning about various nisim that Eliyahu Navi did, and this is another one of them. Parak Beis. Parak Beis is a very, very famous story, and it's the story of the way Eliyahu Navi passes on. Um, I say passes on, not died. Eliyahu is, is passing is unique. It's the only such passing recorded in the entire Torah. That someone um, went with his body to heaven, as again, famous story, but this is the Perik of Tanakh where we have it. Um, Chazal tell us that there are a few people who went alive to Ganeiden, who ascended to heaven um, physically with their bodies, um, but... All the others are all talked about in Chazal. None of them are written in the actual um, in Torah, in Torah Shabbat The only person who Torah Shabbat describes dying in this way is, all, or again, dying is not the right word, but departing this world in this way is Elio Hanavi, as we will read. Um, just in case you're thinking, who is another person who Chazal tell us? So most famously, we have Serach Bas Asher. Right, Sarah, the daughter of Asher, the, that old daughter who's the one who was uh, had this, who's told Yaakov Avinu, her grandfather, that Yosef was still alive, and she's around much later in Mitzrayim, and she's the one who tells Moshe Rabbeinu where Yosef is buried. Sarah Bar is one of the famous women of of Chazal, mysterious women of Tanakh, and Chazal tell us that she also never died in the physical form, but ascended to heaven. Um, Chazal talk about Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, one of the great tzaddikim, that he was Nichnas Chayla Ganeden, that he also entered Ganeden that way. And there's various Midrashim. But again, the only one that it says about in the Torah very clearly is Eliyahu Novi in the following parsha. So let's read it together. Perik Beis. What about Korach? Did Korach go alive too? Well, Korach is the opposite way. He, he's buried alive. No. Um, it doesn't say he went to Ganeden. I mean, Korach is a Russia. Korach is a Russia. That's. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's a good point. It doesn't say literally that he dies in that parsha, I don't think. But the idea is that he's buried alive. That's a different concept. Here we're talking, this is about Sadiqim. In the time that it came time for Eliyahu to be taken um, in a, with, a, with a storm to heaven. 
Now, it was the day that this was going to happen. Vayelech Eliyahu ve'Elisha min ha'gilgal. Eliyahu's primary Talmud, primary disciple was Elisha. We already read about that in the last Sefer, that Eliyahu had, um, Eliyahu had brought Elisha under his um, uh, tutorship or whatever it is, guidance. And Elisha became Eliyahu Novi's primary Talmud, primary, primary disciple, similar to Yehoshua to Moshe Rabbeinu. Just like we had um, in the Chumash, we have Yehoshua who never leaves Moshe Rabbeinu's side. As the Pasuk says, Yeshua nar lo yomish mitocha oel. Yeshua never leaves Moshe Rabbeinu. In the same way, Elisha had become Eliyahu Navi's primary disciple. So it was on that day, and Eliyahu Navi knew what was supposed to happen, that he was supposed to ascend to heaven on that day, and he didn't want anyone to be there. He didn't want anyone around. It was, so, it was something very, obviously, a high point of Eliyahu Navi's life and his greatest union with Hashem. He knew it would be a very, very spiritual and holy uh, episode, and he didn't want anyone there. But on the other hand, he didn't want to tell Elisha what's going to happen. So, Vayomer Eliyahu al Elisha. Eliyahu tells Elisha, um, why don't you stay here for the day? Because Hashem sent me to base ale. There's something I have to do somewhere else. So let's, why don't you stay here and wait for me? Vayomer Elisha. Elisha responds, he says, no. He says, Chai Hashem He says, I swear by Hashem, I'm not leaving you. <laughs> if you're going to base ale, I'm coming to base ale as well. And according to the Mepharshim, Elisha knew something was, he knew what was supposed to happen. It seems Eliyahu knew, and Elisha also knew, but Eliyahu didn't know that Elisha knows. So Eliyahu was trying to get Elisha to, you know, to depart, or not be with him at the time, but Elisha is, is clinging. Pasuk says that the children of the Nevi'im, really means the disciples of the Nevi'im, that were in Beisail, come out and they tell Elisha, don't you know that this is the day that Hashem is going to take our master, or your master from you? And Elisha says, I know, I know, but let's keep it quiet, it's fine. And then Eliyahu turns to Elisha and he says, you know, I have to go somewhere else. Now I have to go to Yericho. Why don't you stay here? Hashem sent me to Yericho. And Elisha says, no, he says, I swear by the name of Hashem and by my soul that I will not leave you. And they came together to Yericho. And again, the, uh, the Nevim who are in Yericho come to Elisha and they say, don't you know? that today is the day that Hashem will be taking your master from you. And Elisha says, I know, but let's be quiet. Elio turns to Elisha and says, now I have to go to the Yardin. It's interesting how the pastor goes in such detail on this day. Elio was trying again and again that Elisha shouldn't be there at that point of his departure from this world. And he says, Hashem says, I have to go to the Yardin, perhaps stay here. And Elisha again responds, says, I swear by Hashem, that I will not leave you. Elisha is clinging to his Rebbe, clinging to, 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 uh, to, uh, to Eliyahu and Novi. They both went to the Yardin. Fifty men of the children of the Nevi'im, and again it says children, but children here means disciples. The disciples of the Nevi'im went, and they stood from a distance. Fifty stood from a distance on one side, two stood near the Yardin. And at this point, they're standing in front of the, in front of the Yardin. Vayikach Eliyahu as adartoi. Eliyahu had a special garment and he took it off and he wrapped it in a way that it became like a long, uh, like when you twirl something, you twirl, let's say, uh, any type of a garment into a long piece. And he hit the water of the Yardin and the Yardin split. And Eliyahu and Elisha walked through the Yardin. Right? Again, Eliyahu's miracles are throughout. So Eliyahu splits the Yardin and they're walking through the Yardin. And at this point, Eliyahu turns to Elisha and he says, 
ask of me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Right? Elio realizes that Elisha is going to be, him to, be with him to the last moment. And Elio always says, ask, ask my Talmud here. You're my Talmud. You're the closest to me. What, can, what bracha can I give you? What can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Elisha. Elisha responds, a very amazing response. He says, That I want to have double of your ruach. As your ruach, your spirit of Hashem that you have, I want to receive not just what you have, but double as much. Very, very interesting statement. Here we have a Klal Chazal say that Adam Miskani. Everyone can, you, one can be jealous of anyone aside from their child and from their Talmud. That when one hears that their child is doing better than themselves, you're not jealous of your child when they do better. A parent is very happy that the child is being more successful than the parent. And the same as when one has a true Talmud, a true disciple, someone who's truly really devoted, that, that's like a parent-child relationship. And therefore there isn't that concept of kin, of jealousy, that the child should, to the contrary, that's what every parent wants, that's what every teacher wants, that their child or their Talmud should be more successful than them. One of the places that the Gemara brings is this, that Elisha had no problem asking that from his Rebbe. He knew his Rebbe would be happy that he should even surpass him. Elio responds and says, It's a very difficult request. Why is this such a very difficult request? The Gemara says, because how can one give more than they have? Normally, I can give whatever I have. So if I'm a millionaire and someone's a million dollars, I give me a million dollars. But someone says, I want to have twice as much as you have. I don't have it. If I don't have it, how can I give you? So therefore, Elio says, I can't It's a very tough question. But then he says something fascinating. He says, there's one way you'll be able to receive it. If you will be zeicha, to see as I am ascending to heaven, then you'll take and receive twice as much as I have. But if you won't be able to see it, then I can't give it to you. That's the cryptic answer of Elio. And the Mepharshim talk about it. What, what kind of, you know, how, does that answer, how does that make it possible? What's the connection? Why if Elisha will see Elio and Avi ascending to heaven, then it could, is it possible that Elisha should receive double that Elio and Avi had? And they say a very beautiful answer. And that is that Elio says, when I'm ascending to heaven, then I will be double of what I am now. Because then I'll be losing my body. Then I'll be going out of the physicality, out of the Gashmias. So therefore, I will reach a much, much higher level than I was in this world. So if you'll be able to see me then, that means that even then you'll be connected to me. And then you'll be able to receive from my level, that's beyond the physical. But if you won't be able to see me as I ascend, that means that, that we've disconnected, that you're connected to me as long as I'm a physical person in this world, but once I've left, you're not connected, so then Yitaka won't be able to receive that. That was his answer. And this, interestingly, the Rebbe talked about this a lot, because of course we have the Alter Rebbe and Tanya telling us that a Talmud can receive from his Rebbe even after the Rebbe's passing, in a way even more so. Because the Rebbe, the Tzaddik, becomes much more unlimited after their passing. And this really comes from this Pasuk, this idea. Where Leon is telling Elisha, he says, I can't give you more than I am now. But if you're able to remain connected to me, and as a Navi, he says, if you're able to see, as I'm Eula, as I'm ascending into heaven, then that will be the indication that you remain connected to me afterward, and therefore you'll be able to receive from me my, according to my level of then which is double what I have now. And that's what Elio Anavi answers to Elisha in this Pasuk Yud. Pasuk Yud Aleph. 
They were going together and speaking. The Gemara says, yes. Rabbi Silverberg, yes. that's just interesting. Um, it, it, it's a Ruchniistic thing, the, the Ruach HaKadosh. And it's, and it's like, how could Eliyahu be the one to say that he would have, he could give it? It's really from the Akrishter. That's, like, that's what I was thinking about. Right, right. That's a good question. And I don't know the answer. But my first thought would be that whenever tzaddikim are giving brachas or speaking or giving promises, whatever it is, they're doing that as agents of Hashem, obviously. We're not talking about um, whatever Eliyahu did a nace or gave a bracha. It was as an agent, as, as Eliyahu is called, the ultimate um, Navi Hashem, the Malach Hashem, the agent of Hashem. So when he says this, he's really saying it in the name of Hashem. That's what it would seem is the answer to that question. So they're continuing to go, and it says they're They're talking. The Gemara says they're talking in Divri Torah. That before any two people um, are apart, especially Tzadikim part, that what they talk is Divri Torah. And as they're walking and talking, a chariot of fire, horses of fire descend from heaven and divide between them. So notice the Eliyahu and Elisha are walking together and suddenly this fiery chariot and fiery horses come in and they cause they come in between Eliyahu and Elisha. Vayal Eliyahu Bisara Hashamoyim and Eliyahu Novi goes in the, in the stormy, fiery way. He ascends to heaven. Ve'elisha ro'eh and Elisha sees. He's able to see it all. We're going to see soon. We mentioned earlier there was 15 of him standing on the side and two others, none of them saw. Elisha, because of his level of Kedusha, and because of his level of attachment to Eliyahu Navi, was able to see this entire vision, this entire episode of Eliyahu Navi um, entering into this uh, divine fiery chariot and being brought into heaven. Elisha, Elisha sees this, and he cries out, Avi, Avi, my father, my father. Of course, Eliyahu is not his biological father, but he's his Rebbe, his teacher. This is one of the places that is brought as a, as a source that a teacher, a true, te- a true teacher, a true Torah teacher is like a father to a person. And Elisha calls, cries out, he says, My father, my father, Rechev Yisrael of Farashav. He says, the, the rider of Klal Yisrael, the one who leads Klal Yisrael. And, oid. And after that, he did not see him again. Elisha grabs onto his garments. He rips Kriya. He rips his garments into two, um, into two uh, parts. And just from a halachic angle, this is from here we learn, one of the places we learn, that one uh, does rip Kriya on a Rebbe. Right? Just like one rips Kriya on a parent, one Leolenu. Uh, so one rips when a Rebbe, uh, someone who taught him Torah, also when he passes, when he leaves him. And that's what happens at this point. Um, this is, I mean, obviously such a fascinating idea. And of course, Eliyahu and Novi is different than every Novi that we have, and really every Tzaddik in history. And really it comes from this, that Eliyahu and Novi didn't die in the typical way. That's why whenever we talk about, you know, Mashiach is going to come, it's going to be Eliyahu and Novi who's going to be a Vassar Mashiach's coming. Um, Eliyahu and Novi, whenever you hear these countless stories of Tzaddikim, and Eliyahu and Novi came, and Eliyahu and Novi revealed himself, we don't hear that about others. I mean, maybe once in a while, but typically, um, and Eliyahu Navi came and taught him Torah, and Eliyahu Navi came, right? So it's because Eliyahu Navi is this one Navi 
who maintain that connection to the physical world, that there's still a body that he can come come into the body and come to visit and do whatever he has to do. Now, it's important to note, Eliyahu Novi also comes to us not in a body many times. For example, by our Pesach Seder, right? By our Pesach Seder, Eliyahu Novi goes to all the Seders in the world. That's not Eliyahu the way he's in a body. Similarly to a Brismila, right? By a Brismila, we have a Kisei Shel Eliyahu, and we put the baby on Kisei Shel Eliyahu. Eliyahu Novi comes to every Brismila. But, it's, it's brought down, and Hasidus talks about this, that there's a, and Kabbalah talks about this. And not, it's not only Hasidus and Kabbalah, really. The Chassam Sofer talks about this already. They wrote from Pressburg from 200 years ago. They all talk about the fact that Eliyahu has two forms of coming into this world. Um, Eliyahu is the archangel of the Jewish people. But he could come just as a soul, like a regular Malach. And that's like by the Bris, and that's like by Kisisha, you know, by, by, um, by the Seder. Or Eliyahu sometimes does more and comes into his body and comes down to this world. And that's called Gilu Yeliyahu. But many tzaddikim talked about Gilu Yeliyahu and many stories in the Gemara already about Gilu Yeliyahu. And when Eliyahu will come and announce Mashiach, that's coming in the body. And the whole reason Eliyahu is the one who's able to come into the, with the body is because his body never died, was never buried. Differently than all the other tzaddikim. And that was uniquely the meaning of Eliyahu In fact, I'll just digress for a moment. There's a very fascinating halachic question that really could be the topic of an entire shir, but I'm not going to do that. But I'll just mention it. And that is smicha, rabbinical ordination. Right? Um, I'm sure that many, many people here know someone who has smicha or is working on getting smicha. But the, the smicha that we get today is not the real, real smicha. It's uh, basic to be a rabbi of Ashul, to pass in Ashayla, but it's not the smicha to be in the Sanhedrin or be in the real Bezdin of Klal Yisrael. To have the real, real smicha, it has to be, you have to get smicha from someone who got smicha, from someone who got smicha with an undirect, I'm sorry, an uninterrupted shame until Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the real smicha. So, the question, and, and that we don't have it anymore. The Romans stopped that. The Romans, after they conquered the Beis Amikdash, for a few hundred years, outlawed the smicha on the, on the uh, threat of death. So therefore, the direct, uninterrupted smicha chain is gone. So the question is, Mashiach will come today, Mirza Hashem, and we need a Sanhedrin. How do we, how do we get a Sanhedrin? Right? If we, if we don't have an, an uninterrupted chain, so nobody is alive who can give the real smicha. So who is going to create this Sanhedrin when Mashiach comes? Who's going to give them the real smicha? Right? So, and, and that's what I'm saying. This is a big halachic issue, but because of this, Rambam ruled that if all the rabbis of Israel get together, they can jumpstart the smicha. And Rambam writes, because that's the way it's going to be when Mashiach will come. But others disagreed with the Rambam. And in fact, was once tried, historically, about 500 years ago in Sfas. There was a great rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Beirav, and he initiated the smicha based on the Rambam, and he gave smicha to Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who wrote the Shulchan Aruch. It was a huge halachic uh, political upheaval in the times, because many Rabbanim were against it, many were for it. Sfarim were written on both sides of the thing. This major argument. Fact is, it was discontinued. So again, we're without the smicha. So who's going to give the smicha when Mashiach comes? To the Sanhedrin. So one of the answers written in many Sfarim there's the, the Radvaz. Radvaz was, again, one of the great Rabbanim 450 years ago. Rabdavid ben Zimra. He led the Jewish community in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, and then later in Sfas. 
The Rabbaz writes, what's the kasha? Elio Anavi. Because he never died and he had smicha. Because Elio Anavi had smicha from his Rebbe before him. He was part of the group that received you know, uninterrupted from Meshach Rabbeinu. Elio Anavi never really died because, as we just learned, Allah Besara Hashemaima, when Mashiach will come, his neshama will come into his body and he'll, uh, and he'll, he'll give smicha to the Rabbanim, no problem. Then we have a Sanhedrin. That's the approach of the Radvaz, and many, many follow the Radvaz, that that's the answer to the question. So it's a, again, it's, it's a very fascinating halachic question, but that is definitely one approach. They will have someone who's alive physically, who never really died, and therefore he could continue that unbroken chain of smicha from Aisha Rabbein. It's interesting, I just, this one more point over here. Hasidus talks a lot about the fact, why is it Dafkel Yohanavi that never died? I mean, there was only great tzaddikim. And even if he was one of the greatest, but there's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu died, or Moshe Rabbeinu is, is buried. The Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu is buried. Leonov is not buried. So, and, and Hasidus, it, again, talks about it at length. The point being that Eliyahu had a very specific mission and ability of, of the ultimate ability to be mevarir the guf, to, um, to refine and bring the ultimate Kedusha to his goof, to his body. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu was the highest person ever, but his main Milo was his Neshama. Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness was that his Neshama shone. It wasn't about, ultimately, the ultimate refinement of the goof. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he finished his Avodah, his Neshama returned to heaven and his goof was buried. But Eliyahu, his avodah was all about, to the contrary, about being mevarir, elevating and refining the guf. So his guf came to the point that his guf itself is was ready to go into Ganadin. It was like on the level of a neshama itself, and that's connected with the fact that Eliyahu is connected with Mashiach, the one who's going to be mevaser Mashiach, because Mashiach is all about the ultimate biru, the ultimate refinement of this world, the physicality of this world, and that's why that was Eliyahu's mission. That's, again, something that the Rebbe Rashab talks about, the Rebbe talks about at length, but that's a, a, a point that Hasidus makes, that Eliyahu Novi came from a place where his main union wasn't about the Ali of the Neshama, but rather about the Biru, the refinement of the Guf, and therefore he did it in the ultimate way, to the extent that the Guf entered with him into Ganeidan, as we saw. Okay, let's go further. Pasuk Yod Gimel. Now, Vayorim Esaderes Elio. Remember, Elio had that garment, that special garment that he had used before to split the Yardin. When Elio ascended to heaven, that Aderes, that garment fell down. So Elisha sees that he picks it up. And now he's stuck by the Jordan because they walked through the Yardin. Elio split the Yardin, they had walked through to an area, and now he has to get back. But Elisha has that Aderas, and he does exactly what his master, what Elio did a moment, a few moments earlier. Elisha takes that same Aderas, and he hits the water, and he says, um, he says, Hashem, the God of Eliyahu. He says, help me as well. And that's what happened. The water splits for Elisha as well. And Chazal say that here we see, before a split on the count of two tzaddikim, Eliyahu and Elisha, now a split for Elisha himself, because Elisha had, had already attained this tremendous Kedusha that he had asked for from Eliyahu and Novi to be pishnaim beruchacha, to be double even in the ruach of Eliyahu and Novi. The Nevi'im, or the, the disciples of the Nevi'im that were there, saw this, they see Elisha coming back, and they see that the water is split in front of Elisha, so they say, Nocha ruach Elio al Elisha. 
um, that it must be that the spirit of Elio now is resting on Elisha, and they all came before him and they bowed to him, accepting Elisha now as the new Navi of Hashem. But here's the thing, those 50 disciples of the Nevi'im did not see the vision. So they, they saw Elisha go with Eliyahu, they saw Elisha come back himself, um, and they saw the sea split for, or the yarding split for Elisha, but they really didn't know what happened with Eliyahu. So they thought he must have died, they realized he was dead. They knew. they all knew he was going to die. But, but where's his body? So they thought, I don't know, they, they, there was a big wind, a big storm, you know, when the fiery, that maybe he was like blown away somewhere. So they said, they said, you know what, there's 50 of us here, Is it, should we go search for Eliyahu? They asked Elisha, you know, maybe we'll, you know, there's 50 of us in the VM, let's search for Eliyahu's body. You know, maybe the winds took him, maybe he's in one of the mountains or one of the pits or one of the valleys. Elisha said, not necessary. You're not going to find him. But they said, please, please, we, we can't rest without knowing that we searched, that we did our best. So Elisha says, go. So the 50 men went, and it says they searched for three entire days, but they didn't find Elio and Navi. Obviously, there was no body to be found. And they came back to Elisha, and they, uh, they said, you know, we didn't find Elio. And Elisha said, I told you not to go. I said, I knew you're not going to find Elio. And, um, but so they accepted Elisha as the new, as the new manhig, as the new navi. And at this point, Elisha becomes very, very, uh, like a big Balmephis, a miracle worker. Becomes very famous very quickly, just like Elio and Navi did miracles. We'll see, Elisha did more miracles than Elio and Navi. In fact, as we go through the next, uh, today and, to, and next week in Mitzvah Hashem, we'll see that, um, I, I believe, the number of miracles that are recorded in Tanakh from Elisha, take double the miracles that Elio and Navi did, which is the, the clear fruition of that bracha that he asked for, to have that double dosage of Kedusha. So right away we have in Pasig Yutes, the men of the city of Yericho tell Elisha, they say, you know, this is a wonderful city, but the, the waters are bad and people are dying from the bad waters. It's interesting, the Gemara asks, if the waters are bad and the people are dying, how is it such a wonderful city? What's so good about the place? And the Gemara says, interesting, that a person has a natural, he, he likes his place, a person likes their place, so even if there's this chisar and that chisar and this problem, that problem, it's a good place. But there's problems. And that's what they tell Elisha. They said it's a, it's a wonderful city, but the waters are bad. The pe- it's causing people to die. And Elisha says, bring me a, uh, a new flask and fill it with salt. And they bring it to him. And he goes out to the source of water, to the rivers, and he throws in the salt. And he says, Koyamar Hashem, so Hashem said, I have just healed these waters. There won't be any death coming forth from these waters anymore. And indeed, that's what happens. The waters were healed until this very day, uh, just as Elisha said. And here we have the interesting thing. Elisha Dafke takes salt and pours it into the water. Right? Salt, typically, if we pour salt into water, the water becomes undrinkable. But Elisha does the opposite. He takes that salt, which typically would have a negative effect, and that brings out the positive effect. The idea being, Elisha was trying to show them that this was a miracle. It was Devar Hashem. It wasn't that he had some type of a good recipe of sweet water to make the water sweet. He was taking something that typically would cause the opposite, but because Hashem said so, um, if Hashem says, then salt can make something sweet as well. A final story in this Perik, a sad story, and that is that uh, from here, from Yericho, Elisha went further to Beis El, another famous city in Israel. As he's going, 
a number of kids, it says. It's not clear if they're just kids, um, literally kids, or kids in their behaviors, come out and they were making fun of him. They were, they were uh, abusing him, embarrassing him. And they said, go bald one, go bald one. It seems that Elisha was bald, he didn't have hair. And they were, they were making fun of him. They were calling him names. And what were they so upset about? So first of all, they recognized he was a tzaddik. They recognized that he, was, he, just, did, uh, he just did miss him for the city. But they were, um, they were making fun of him. Like, where's Eliyahu Navi and who do you think you are? And um, according to some of Farshim, these kids, they lived in the next city over. Not in Yericho. So as long as the people in Yericho had bad waters, they had to go to the next city to buy waters. And that's how these kids got their business. And now Elisha came and he healed the waters and he healed the people in Yericho. So they didn't need them anymore. That's according to one, I think the Gemara or the Medrash says that that's what was going on. Elisha turns around, the Gemara says, he looks at them and he sees that these are, these are all Rishoyim. Not just the Rishoyim, it says that he looked into their future and he saw that never someone good is going to come out from these, uh, from these people. Um, and he says, as he turns around, he curses them in the name of Hashem. Immediately, two beers come out of the forest and, and grab many of 42 of these, it says children, Yeladim, grab them into the forest and they're, they're, uh, they're killed. The, the Gemara says, this is not just a miracle that beers came out of the forest. It says it's a miracle uh, within a miracle because there was no forest there in the first place. There was a forest appeared, and out of the forest came beers, and all of that appeared in a miraculous way, and took these children. Um, and from there, Elisha continued in his journeys, and he went to um, went to Harakarmel, and from there he returned to the Shomron, where is where, which is where he lived. Okay, let's uh, we have a little few minutes left. Let's try to go a little further. Let's start, at least we'll begin Peter Gimel. The Yehoram ben Achav, Malach al Yisrael b'Shomron. Um, we're going back to Yehoram, the son of Achav, who's now the king. Like we, we, we began tonight, we were talking about Achaziah, the son of Achav, but Achaziah is the one who died, right? He's the one who stepped through the skylight, and ultimately he died because he sent to Avodah and his brother rules in his place, and his name is Yehoram. So he's ruling, and it's the 18th year that by the, in the Malchai Yehuda, Yehoshaphat is the king. And uh, Yehoram was bad, just like his father and mother. It says not as bad, and his father and mother being Achav and Yezebel, not as bad. And he did take off some of the Avedizara, but still he continued the basic Avedizaras of the Ten Shvatim. Okay. At this point, there was next door was the king of Moab. His name was Mesha. Mesha, the king of Moab. And he initially was uh, okay with the Jewish people, but ultimately, we mentioned already earlier, that after Achav died, actually there's the first passage we learned tonight, that after Achav died, this king of Moab rebelled against the Jewish people, this Mesha. So at this point, there's going to be an altercation, there's going to be a battle. So, so um, Yehoram, who's, again, Yehoram, son of Achav, the king of the, of the Ten Shvatim, goes out and counts the Jewish people, and he sends a message, his, his, he counts his subjects, and he sends a message to Yehoshaphat, who's the king of the two tribes. And he says, you know, the king of Moab is fighting with me. Let's go together to fight the king of Moab. And this happens sometimes, that the two kings of the Jewish people, the king of the ten tribes and the king of the two tribes, would get together to fight a common enemy. And that's what's going on over here. So Yehoram, who is a Russia, calls, calls on Yehoshaphat, who is a tzaddik, the king of the two tribes, and says, let us go out together and fight the king of Moab. 
And Yehoram says, I'm sorry, Yehoshaphat says, fine, good idea. You know, this king of Moab is bad to all of us together. We'll, I'll go together with you. We'll work as one to fight the king of Moab. And they say, which way are we going to go? Then we'll go through the Midbar Edom, the desert of Edom. So they went through the desert of Edom. Meanwhile, the king of Edom, who's a friend of the Jewish people at the time, joins them. So there's three kings with their armies going together now. There's the king of the ten tribes, um, Yehoram, the king of the two tribes, Yehoshaphat, together with the Melech Edom. And they set out and they're traveling in the desert for seven days towards Moab with their armies. But as they're traveling seven days, they run out of water, they run out of food for the people, for the animals, and they realize that they're in a lot of trouble. So the king of, of the ten tribes, Yehoram, says what? He says, Hashem brought us all here to die, to be given over in the hands of Moab, because, because we have no hope here. We, we have no food. Our armies are you know, in the state of despair. So Yehoshaphat turns to him, and again, I know I'm saying a lot of names here, Yehoshaphat is the king of the two tribes, and Yehoshaphat is a tzaddik. And he says, is there no Navi for Hashem around here? Right? Yehoram was a, a, was a idolatrous man, was a Baal of But Yehoshaphat is a tzaddik. And Yehoshaphat says, is there no Navi of Hashem anywhere around here that we can ask? So one of the servants says, well, yeah, Elisha is not far from here. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was Eliyahu's primary disciple. The words he uses is the one that would pour water for Eliyahu. In other words, he wasn't just his disciple in learning. He was his shamash. He spent his whole life. Elisha was totally devoted to Eliyahu. So Yeshavah says, really, Elisha is here? Let's ask Elisha. If we have the Navi of Hashem, what's the problem? Let's ask him. So um, they went to the Melech Yisrael, and Yehoshaphat and Melachadam go down to Elisha. It's interesting if anyone has a, it sees inside, in Pasuk Yud Beis, it says the Melech Yisrael and Yehoshaphat and the king of Edom go down to Elisha. What's interesting? It doesn't say Melech by Yehoshaphat. It says the king of Israel, the king of the ten tribes, the king of Edom and Yehoshaphat. Why? It says because, the Gemara says, because Yehoshaphat was a tzaddik. When he came before Elisha, he didn't come like a Melech. He took off his crown when you, when, you come, when you come to the Rebbe, when you come to the Tzaddik. So even the king, he went like a regular person. That's why there it doesn't say the Melech Yehoshaphat. So they come before Elisha. And Elisha turns to Yehoram, the king of the ten tribes, says, what are you doing here? Why are you coming to me? Go to the idol, go to your, go to your idols. Right? Again, the king of the ten tribes of Eved Abedazara, he says, Mali Valach. Why are you coming to me? Lechel Navi Avicha, go to the prophets of your father, go to the prophets of your mother, Achos prophets, Ezevel's prophets. But but Yoram says, um, he says, Yeah, but nothing is helping me. So so I'm, I'm going, I'm, I want to hear what Hashem wants from us three kings. Hashem wants us three kings to die. Elisha says, Elisha says, he says, by the name of Hashem, I want to, I promise, if not for Yehoshaphat being here, I would never even look at you. To, he tells, he tells Yehoram, you're Achav's son, you're Eved of Azar, you're not interested in Hashem. But, but Yehoshaphat is here. And Yehoshaphat is the king of the two tribes. Yehoshaphat is a tzaddik. So he says, I want to say Nivua for you. But, he says, bring me a musician. And when the musician will play music, I'll be able to give Nivua. And this is an idea that we learned already before, that Nivua comes only from a place of Simcha. And because, you, because Elisha had gotten upset, 
because he was upset at Yehoram, the Eved Avidah and he said, I would never look at you, so he got angry. He said, when I'm angry, I can't say Nevoah. Bring a menagin, bring music, and sing a nigin, and then I'll have Yad Hashem, then the rest of me, Yad Hashem. And then he said, he says, Koyamar Hashem, so Hashem says, that these, you see over here, the uh, dry areas in the desert are going to be filled with water. He says, right now you just see dry, like uh, dried out, uh, like what is it? Uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, dry, dry like um, burrows or whatever they're called, ditches. He says all of these are going to fill with water, but you're not going to see any rain. He says there's not going to be any rain, but suddenly, all of these burrows and all these ditches in the desert will be filled with water, and you'll be able to drink, and your animals will drink. And he says, and not just that, then you're going to go to Mayav, and you're going to be totally victorious over Mayav. And when you're victorious over Mayav, I want you to totally destroy everything you see there. There are an evil people. And everything that's there, you should, you, should, uh, you should destroy. And that was the end of the Nebuah. And then it was the next morning, Taka, that suddenly, Taka, exactly as Elisha said, a tremendous amount of water um, came forth out of nowhere. No rain, no nothing. And everybody was able to drink. And the people in Mayav here that the kings of the Jewish people are coming towards them to, uh, to do battle and they gather all their men and all their armies and everything and they get up early and the people of Moab see rivers of water coming towards them but somehow to the people of Moab it looked like they're red red rivers of water and they said you know what red rivers this blood the Jewish people must have all died there must have been a war an internal war they must have killed each other out and this is the rivers of their blood so they rushed at the Jewish people. Of course, the Jewish people did not die at all. And then they were, there was this tremendously successful battle. And the, just as Elisha had prophesied, um, the three kings, the king of, uh, of Yehuda, and the king of Israel, and the king of Edom, were able to entitle, entirely destroy um, that, uh, that rebellion of Moab, as Elisha said that they would be able to. Um, the the Pasuk finishes something very strange. And that is, the king of Moab, he's, he saw he was losing totally. He took his 700 men and he tried to at least attack the king of Edom, but he was not able to. And finally, the parak says that the king of Moab takes his son, his oldest son, and he brings him up as a sacrifice on the, gate, on the walls of his city. Why did he do that? So the Gemara says, that the king of Moab was very puzzled. How, why are the Jewish people so successful? What's the history of the Jewish people? Give me a quick sheer on the history of the Jewish people. So someone told him, well, it all started with Avram Avinu. And you know why he was so great? Because he was willing to take his son and sacrifice him to God. The Akedah. So he said, oh, well, I'll do it too. And he took his son and killed him. For Avedizara. And that's what the Melech Moab did. And the Pasuk finishes and says, and Hashem became angry at the Jewish people and the, and the war ended. Why did Hashem get angry at the Jewish people? It's not clear from the Pasuk. What did the Jewish people do wrong over here? The king of Moab killed his son. But the, the Medrash says, the Mepharshim say, that Hashem says, look, the king of Moab, when he's trying to appease me, is willing even to kill his own son. And here so many of Kali Yisrael are just doing Avedizara, they're not doing anything to appease me. And that was Ma'ir that awakened the anger of Hashem on the ten Shvatim who were being Avdi Avedizara at the time. But be that as it may, at this point, that Melchama was won, and Elisha's Nevuas were once again proven to be um, 100% correct. And that's where we finish Paragimel, which is still very much the middle of the stories of Elisha, which, um, Emir Hashem, will continue next week.